The text for this sermon, the theme of which is Finders Keepers, Losers Weepers, is Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Have you ever found something and then told someone about your find and heard them claim that it really belonged to them? Of course, I can remember doing this with my sisters when I was young. And naturally, I'd respond with a sarcastic, well, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. And usually it didn't mean that I got to keep my find. Most of the time, it just caused a whole other start of a fight that my parents had to try to figure out how to break up. However, the meaning of that phrase is true in many ways. For the person who makes the find, there is usually a lot of joy over what was found because he gets to keep it. But the person who loses something usually feels quite bad, especially if what he has lost has special meaning or value to him. For him, losing it could certainly result in weeping of some kind. Our lives are full of searching for a find of one kind or another. Some people are in a constant search for purpose or meaning in life or even contentment in life. Some people are searching for their big break in life to become successful or maybe even rich or whatever it may be. They're searching the internet, huh? Searching the internet when on a quest for a particular product. It's what many refer to nowadays as research. And naturally, when looking for that perfect find on our shopping quest, we want the best quality for the lowest price. Since humans, by nature, are seekers, it seems only natural that Jesus would use the example of a treasure hidden in a field which a man found to describe our relationship with God. That is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is about who you are in relationship to God in his kingdom belonging to him. This treasure was so valuable to him that in his joy he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. His find created much joy in him, so much joy that he was willing to give up everything this life had to offer in order to acquire that treasure for himself. Now, the parable actually pulls us into a search with questions like, what is the treasure and who is the man? Well, consider if the treasure is salvation, that is eternal life in heaven, and if the man is you and me, uh, human beings, then the application seems to be that we would do anything to obtain salvation. Uh, maybe the comparison in this manner, though, 
can take one down a path of trying to make sure that his eternal salvation is secured by a price which he pays, generally in the form of, uh, say, good works or, or generosity or in the form of giving some way or some other kind of philanthropic activity. Unfortunately, such efforts cannot deal with your sins, which are the main culprit keeping you from obtaining the treasure, no matter how much you sacrifice in an effort to try to get it. Even God's people of faith in the Old Testament referred to Yahweh, referred to by Yahweh as my treasured possession among all the peoples in our Old Testament lesson. Even they had to confess in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. You could never do enough. You could never pay enough. You could never give enough to cover the debt which your sins have accumulated in the presence of your holy God. Your life needs to be ransomed. It needs to be freed from the power and the slavery to sin and the devil. Well, Psalm chapter 49 talks about this ransom when it says in verses 7 through 9, Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price for his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. God's revelation of our lost condition in sin then drives this parable in a different direction. Consider, what if the man in the parable is Jesus? And what if you are the treasure. Jesus left the glory of heaven coming into the field of this world in order to give his life as a ransom for we who are lost in our sin. Consider it. In the darkness of your sin, the devil is striving to make you feel worthless because you're feeling unworthy. It's a lie. Because you are worth so much to Jesus. You are so valuable to him that he willingly chose to pay the accumulation, accumulated debt of your sin. His good works were in perfect accord with obedience to God's laws. Giving his life as the perfect sacrifice on the cross for you was the perfect, perfect purchase price to ransom you from hell. You see, his rising from the death secured your being delivered from your burial in the ground. You truly are the joy that was set before him, which Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, was the reason that he endured the cross and despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Because you are the treasure. 
It is interesting, if you look at the parable, that the man in the parable didn't simply find the treasure, dig it up, take it home and say, ha, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. He couldn't. Instead, he left it right where it belonged, in the possession of its proper owner. He could do nothing with it on his own terms. And rather, it could only be obtained by the legal terms that were determined by the owner. And thus, Jesus too submitted himself to his heavenly Father's terms to restore his treasured possession back into a proper relationship with him. Philippians 2, verses 7 through 8 says that Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Do you see what happened? He paid the price required by your Creator in order to redeem you back into a perfect relationship with God the Father. He willingly did it on the Father's terms. This wonderful work of Jesus for you can even drive the parable further. What if the man in the parable is you? And the treasure is this good news, the gospel of Jesus and his work for the forgiveness of your sins. The people to whom Jesus was speaking the parable were ones who were already experiencing the kingdom of heaven by faith and now embodied in the person of the work of Jesus as the Christ. The proper response to hearing the gospel of the kingdom of heaven proclaimed is by repenting of your sins and giving up all those human efforts you use to define your relationship, your eternal relationship with God. You know, Paul had such a perspective after he stumbled upon the treasure of the gospel, I guess, stumbled. It was by Christ's initiative he actually got knocked down the road on the way to go kill Christians. But after that, he considered himself, at, at the time that he was doing that, he considered himself a pretty good asset to God's kingdom as a member of his treasured possession among all the peoples because he was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was totally righteous and blameless in God's sight, at least so he thought. Once he heard the gospel, his life was completely redirected. And from that point on, he considered everything else in his life as a loss for the sake of Christ. He considered it as rubbish because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and having a righteousness that comes only through faith in him. The Holy Spirit had revealed the treasure which surpasses the value of anything else in this world, anything that this world could give or offer. As God's treasured people, having been found and claimed in Christ Jesus, you also have the privilege of sharing the treasure of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven with others. His desire is to deliver you all from 
the eternal weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. And when it comes to losing, Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verses 24 to 25, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself, that is, his soul in hell? Now, I know we usually think of this passage as being killed for Christ, losing your life because you stood up for Jesus. But it goes even much deeper than that. See, in faith, you lose your life in Christ by repenting of your sins and trusting in his atoning work alone for your forgiveness. The only way that you will find any comfort, any confidence, or any strength is as you cling to the person of the work of Jesus alone, the treasure of your life in the midst of so many temptations thrown at you to give up all the time. You are also kept in his grace by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through his means of grace in your life. When you fall into sin and experience God's anger over your sin, you are reassured in Psalm 50, verse 30, verse 5, that his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Sorrow over your sins brings the proclamation that you are forgiven in Christ, that you are his joy, and that you are his treasure, and that he too is your joy and treasure as well. Amen? Amen. Let us rise. I close with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul talks about this treasure of the gospel as being in these frail bodies. He says, he calls it a jar of clay. He says this, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Amen.